Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Puviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Ah, we have a terrific episode for you today with a talented and charismatic guest, Margarita Margarita Balanas joins the show. Margarita is a cellist from Latvia. She won her first international competition at age eight and made her concert debut in London at Wigmore Hall at age 17. She's performed at the Royal Festival Hall in London and at Quorum as part of the Festival de Radio France in Montpellier with her sister Christine Balanas. Margarita has performed for dignitaries and royalty, including HRH Prince Charles, and at venues including Royal Festival Hall, Berliner Philharmonic, Foundation Louis Vuitton, South Bank Center, and Walt Disney Hall. Last season, together with violinist Anne-Sophie Mutter and the Mutter Virtuosi, Margarita toured South America. The list of her performances and achievements is unrivaled, but she's also a philanthropist and has dedicated part of her life to helping other young, aspiring Latvian musicians. On today's episode, Margarita chats about what it was like growing up in a musical family and what it was like busking with her siblings. Margarita also reflects on the mental and emotional challenges of a performance. Absolutely splendid conversation with Margarita. I was blown away. Tremendous musician, but an exceptional human as well. I love the philanthropic work that she has done, and I love that she has a desire to help out musicians from her home country of Latvia. Excited for everyone to meet her, but before we bring her on, we're going to play a, a short clip from her performance with the Signum Saxophone Quartet, Piazzola Le Grand Tango. And towards the end of the episode, we'll give you another clip of, of one of Margarita's beautiful performances. Thrilled for everyone to meet her. She's a wonderful human. So let's go ahead and bring on Latvian cellist Margarita Balanas. And let's learn. Thank you. 
growing up in, in Latvia, what were some of your earliest musical experiences? Um, well, actually, together with my siblings, we were singing rock and roll. Mm-hmm. My parents aren't musicians, but uh, they really love music and they love rock and roll. So my dad taught himself how to play guitar oh. and he taught us singing. And I remember I was less than two years old. I mean, I don't remember. I've seen videos of this. I've seen videos of myself singing on a huge stage in a festival, rock and roll. And my dad is holding me because I'm almost two years old and I can't stand and I'm afraid of the drums. So this was our childhood, traveling from a city to city in in a little minibus, sleeping in the car sometimes. You know, it was it was crazy. We really loved it. And but it was rock and roll. It was never classical music at the beginning. So wow, fascinating. So what were some of the songs and the artists that you and your family would perform? We, we sang some of Michael Jackson, Jack Berry, all kinds of crazy things. My dad also composed uh, his own songs and my sister composed also some songs. So it was a big mi- mixture of all kinds of things. And yeah, oh, this, this is incredible. This is incredible. So when did you first find an experience with the cello? Well, when uh, my, I have an older sister, so she obviously went first to the music school and our mom just asked, would you like to play an instrument? It was so casual. It was never intended to be, that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, we, we came from a very modest background and we took every opportunity we had and we, yeah, we just loved doing it. And I went to the music school when I was maybe like four years old because I was sitting through my sister's lessons because my mom had to work, dad had to work, and it was quite difficult at that time. But I started playing the cello when I was six years old. Yeah. Wow. And at that time, I'm sure it was a tremendously difficult instrument just based on the size. So did the size of the cello, did that ever make practice difficult, especially if you're going from one place to another? Yeah, it can make travel difficult. And especially when I was younger, uh, my dad always had to carry it or my mom or my younger brother. (laughs) He sometimes carries it. But yeah, I've had difficulties in getting into some places because I'm carrying a cello. You know, they always want you to leave it in a locker or someplace, but I would never be able to do this. And so I always carry it with me. If you want me, you want me with my cello. So (laughs) kind of thing. And we've had um, interesting stories when we go to competitions and together with my siblings and there's no space properly to put the cello and once we actually had to put one of the instruments on the booth on the top of the car surrounded by other things just to make sure we can make it to the competition and once the cello fell out from the booth and I had to play the competition with a completely broken instrument but I still won the competitions which was funny because it was uh, covered with tape and all kinds of crazy things, but uh, nowadays um, when I fly, I can always get an extra seat for it. So I kind of enjoy it because it's like an extra shoulder you can rely on. It doesn't talk. It's supporting <laughs> you, <laughs> mental support. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of ways, it's the best travel companion because like you said, it's there to listen. You have to listen to them as well. And Exactly. Yes. Is that is that just also just the number one conversation starter? Because everywhere you're traveling, if you have it next to you, I'm sure many people are just like, oh. Yes, there, there are a lot of um, a lot of things I've heard from passengers or people in airports in general or from the security. You're going to play a tune for me? Is What is this? 
uh, is this uh, is this a person inside? What are you hiding? <laughs> what are you gonna do on the plane? And yeah, but <laughs> but I I usually just answer to people because you know they they need to know what's in the case. So ah oh, wow, what what a fun life that is for you. Yeah. Once you started getting into the cello, who were some of the earliest musical influences that you had? Was there anyone that you aspired to be? Um, when I was really young, I just did it because I loved it. I didn't really ever think that this is this is really really serious i mean but, but at the same time i was doing all these international competitions and taking it seriously but i never put put it in my head that it's my work so it was always something i loved to do and i became good at it because i was working hard and and then of course later when i was in my teens i i was looking up to other cellists other musicians but it was never really one person, but my parents motivated, not motivated, but inspired me a lot because when they were growing up, they didn't have all these possibilities and they gave everything so that we could have a um, better life. Yeah. That's wonderful. I'm very admirable. How did the background of the rock and roll, how has that helped you musically, especially when you're playing more of the symphonic and, and classical pieces? Well, I'm definitely not shy on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we were exposed to audiences since i mean i don't remember i mean i was less than two years old and i think it it really helps and also not taking the whole classical music so seriously sometimes because it can get quite stuck and heavy but it is not i mean it's music it's it's live it's serious it's it can be funny sad it can be everything it's the same as rock music it's just different kind of music and yeah i think that 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 being open and not taking it to <gasps> Oh, serious can be also helpful. It makes performances more spontaneous, and of course, you prepare a lot. Like it, it is so many hours that nobody sees how many hours you prepare. But when you go on stage, you need to let go, and the rock and roll side does help. Wow, what a great philosophy! And I love how you're talking about just letting go when it's just music, right? It's not that serious. It's just music. Yes. But what are some of the other things you do to get in the right frame of mind, where that you're calm but also focused at the same time for our performance? I think about why I do it, and and I sometimes compare our profession with surgeons or doctors, and I just think how um, how to say we want we can't make anything worse we will always make things better so even if you think you might do something wrong or something might not go as you planned i mean it will still be you you won't make a difference with your one little mistake that probably nobody will notice apart from you so i think i just realize how insignificant we actually are and that i'm there to make everybody's day and week or maybe give them some sort of emotional release when they come to listen to my music it's it, yeah i don't know if that <laughs> i think it, i think yeah. it's you you definitely answered it it's a tremendous philosophy that i love the approach of even if i play the wrong note i'm still making the world a better place by just playing <laughs> the music i think that's fascinating with that approach it makes me curious about the last year so how did you handle the ups and downs and the challenge that you faced with the last year especially not being able to perform which is something that you love well to be honest, I've been quite lucky that I've been able to carry on performing. Mm -hmm. Of course, it was a little bit different. It was not um, for a live audience. It was mostly for live broadcasts mm -hmm. or for cameras. And that part was quite, I mean, still some performances that I have are uh, only with camera. And 
I, I sort of find it quite cold because you when you perform in a concert you always have the audience you have the energy you have energy exchange whatever you do you can feel the audience perceiving it and you feed from the audience from their energy from their attention and from their listening and yeah and it was it was quite different now that everything was online and you somebody switches record and then you see these audio and video engineers sitting with headphones might not even listen to you and they're saying well first camera third camera and you might even hear some of, some of these comments and it it was completely different experience but i think it it was a good experience to learn how also we never stop doing things and life goes on and we will we'll get through this and we are strong um, and yeah. Did you continue practicing at the same rate or did you use it as time to relax and step away? I, I took some time to practice. I mean, it's difficult to take some time off. I always kind of feel a little bit anxious because I want to keep doing things. And even though it seems that there might be time because of the current situation, there's, I always feel that I need to develop. I can't let it go backwards. So I was learning a lot of new repertoire and doing a lot of project planning and actually together with my siblings, they're both violinists, uh, Christine and Roberts. We, uh, we started um, an initiative to promote classical music uh, through concerts and masterclasses and workshops. And it's called Balanus Classical. And we organized um, our first charity event which was Balan Sisters and Roche Masterclasses and we gave an opportunity for all Latvian violinists and cellists to apply and to participate and it we actually managed to do this on the last day when the restrictions became hopeless you couldn't do anything so we managed to um, to give lessons to over was it 40 young musicians in Latvia and we recorded them we produced um they had a concert they had they had something that they couldn't dream of during these um times when everything is everything's closed and you know as, as a young performer i remember you, you would need something to motivate you to feel like there's a reason why you're doing this and and to see the joy when they could actually perform and for some of them it was their first actual public performance and it was all over online with in the news and everywhere so it was so happy to see them being so motivated and wow. yeah happy. what an incredible initiative why was it important to you to focus on youth from latvia well i i i want i want them to have something that we didn't really have when we were little mm -hmm. and when when we were growing up we didn't have the possibility of having international artists actually not so much international artists but the artists who used to uh, study, I mean, Latvian artists, um, I wanted them to have what we didn't have. Mm -hmm. And for, for us who used to study in Latvia, to come back and give the knowledge that we received abroad. Because I think it's important to give back to your country and to, it's, it, it needs to go in a loop. Yeah. And when we were younger with my siblings, we didn't really have that. And there wasn't really a possibility to have that. So. I think it's good to to start something new so that other people might think about it and will you know start doing the same thing.
it's remarkable. Were there times though with the lack of events? Did you have any difficulty with with your identity of if if you're a performer, like you mentioned earlier about interacting with the crowd and that warmth that you normally feel? Did you struggle with with not having that aspect in your life? Well, I really I really missed um, that part of interaction because it's the main reason why I do this. I love performing for people and I want them to feel things and want them to feel better. I want them to feel feel yeah you just want them to feel things and when when i had to perform for a camera i didn't really have that and i kind of had to work even more so that to make sure that the person on the other side of the screen will feel something because the the screen blocks emotion it blocks a lot i i feel and but with my identity i didn't have any any sort of um how to say i wasn't getting lost yeah it even gave me more time to think about all these reasons and it's made me look forward even more to the performance with audience and any human exchange and conversation. Mm. Yeah, it just makes you appreciate it more when it's yeah. back to normal. So your performing career started at a young age. You and your siblings would perform on the street. What are the first memories that come to mind when you think of those days? Well, um, I don't I don't really know what were the first memories, but we we were performing, we were busking on the streets to um to raise funds to go to international competitions and that's actually the reason how we managed to be in London at the Royal Academy of Music, um, the three of us, all three of us siblings. And this money allowed us to go to international competitions all over the world. It was also fantastic to get exposed to audience and not to be shy and to see how people react to different kinds of music. So you really could learn what the audience wants in a performance, what music they like more, what they like less. And yeah. and yeah. you meet amazing people uh, on the streets. I mean, we haven't busked for almost, um, I don't know, like seven, eight years now, but we really made some good friends as well, you know, some, my sister made some professor friends, you know, other musicians, artists and promoters even. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, do you feel that performing in a big audience now is easier compared to those days? Because if you're performing in front of just a few people to keep their attention is incredibly difficult. But whereas uh, an entire symphony that is there to watch you or it might be easier to keep their attention because they, they already came to see you whereas if someone passing by you have to you have to really grab them exactly it, it we we learned from a young age how to make them want to listen and we had to work hard to figure out how how to perform you know it's and what music yeah uh, we had to play to really grab them and of course, in a performance hall, they're kind of locked in, <laughs> not locked in, but the doors yeah. are shut, you can't really move, you can't <laughs> sneeze, you can't cough. But in, on the street, they, somebody can scream, they can say something, they don't like it, they like it, or they can yeah. do anything. You know, there is no um, limit to their actions because we're in a public place. And, yeah. But we really learned how to love our audience. Yeah. And, how to really appreciate them because it's not, it, you can't take it for granted. You know, they, they came to listen to you and, you know, yeah. it's, it's something. So when showcasing the cello, what were the couple songs that you would use, that, that were your go-to songs that you always use to get people's attention while you're performing on the street? Well, often we would also improvise. Mm-hmm. 
we would also improvise and make up our own music and and we would make these special arrangements that were of larger symphonic works and we performed it um, either for violin, cello duo or somehow, yeah, in a smaller ensemble. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to give all my secrets oh, away. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, of no, course. no, I'm, no, no but, we, but we really learned and, yeah, uh, people love Bach and, you know, the tunes that they can relate to, the tunes that they have heard before as well so that they can connect connected to their own memories and yeah. understanding. I always think of Yesterday by the Beatles as being oh, one. We, yeah, we performed Yesterday as well with, with my brother because he plays a lot of crossover music. Okay. We did arrangement of that as well. And also of ABBA and Michael Jackson, all kinds of things, crazy yeah, things. A little yeah. bit of everything, yeah, which, is, yeah. Comes from, which comes from your background. It's fantastic. So what makes for a memorable show? I, I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with the crowd and the audience. But for you, when you look back on your shows, what makes for a memorable show, one that you'll never forget? Well, most recently, my sister and I, um, we were in Barcelona. We performed Brahms' double concerto with Barcelona Symphony Orchestra. And this performance was postponed from last March to May this mm -hmm. year. So... And it was a uh, performance with audience and it was sold out. Although you had one person and one seat empty, one person, one seat empty. It was sold out and you could really feel the energy from, from in the hall and also from the musicians. And in every performance, I feel that there's usually a couple of moments that you feel, you even feel yourself almost goosebumps, you know, oh, wow, this is why I'm, I'm doing this. And you, I don't know, it's, it's not even so much always the music, but it's just the energy where yeah. everyone's sitting quietly, so focused, and they're there for a reason. And yeah, it's difficult to explain, but it, it is some sort of exchange with the audience that makes it special. It could be in any venue, but it's, I think, the people you perform it to. Yeah. And, and people you play it with. So yeah, yeah it's a combination. You're right. It's an intangible. It's an energy. What's going through your mind when you perform? Because I know a lot of artists that I've talked to say it's almost like an out-of-body experience, like you're watching yourself. So what about you when you're performing? What, what are you feeling and thinking? Oh, no, I'm, I'm really in, in, inside. I'm, I, don't, I never had really an out-of-body experience such as I am completely inside the music and I imagine that I'm pulling the music somehow that I'm, I'm part of it and, and I'm very aware of my surroundings somehow. But because I perform with my sister a yeah. lot, um, we, some, we have a sort of telepathy. So even though we are completely emerging music and everything, I can always know what's going through her head and she knows what's going through my mind. So often within the music, we can make all kinds of little tiny changes and spontaneous decisions that somehow we managed to coordinate because we know each other so well. Yeah. But yeah, I'm always in, in the music. And if I'm not in the music, I have a feeling that something is wrong, that I'm not, I'm not uh, where I should be. I yeah. always feel that I need to be a little bit stressed and on the edge to make it um, really great, yeah. great performance. Yeah. A, a telepathic relationship that started years ago with Michael Jackson and Chuck Berry. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. 
performing has taken you all across the world. So when you look back on your performances thus far, which are the shows that stand out or the locations that stood out? I really love performing at the Berlin Philharmonic mm -hmm. because it's a wonderful, wonderful venue. And also um, performing in London at the Big Moor Hall or Royal Festival Hall. The, I mean, there's so much history in these places. And when you go there, you always, even though it's your first time performing there, there's so much history. There's so many people who've been on that stage and just the thought of that always, you know, makes you acknowledge how little you are i mean we're so insignificant in in a way but you know in the moment we always worry and you know <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah there's i mean and it's also about connection with other people and yeah how about locations purely as a tourist i know you don't get as much as time to explore but just purely there that's for fun that you're like that was a great city well, I love performing in Australia. Okay. I, I went, um, I was in Adelaide and Melbourne and Sydney in 2014. And um, we are planning a tour together with my siblings for a couple of seasons ahead. And, and I love Italy, uh, going, uh, playing in small theaters, you know, little gems that that were always there but you as a tourist you go and you find in this place you would never expect and yeah there are a lot of places you know if every every city has something something special how about specifically then which one are you still missing the food or the drink you're like gosh i wish i could go back and have this well now barcelona because i was there two perfect. weeks ago perfect. <laughs> yes and it was sunny it was great People are really smiley, a lot of energy, very outgoing and amazing food and and wine and everything and everyone's everyone's just joyous and yeah. yeah. We also have some um friends there, um some almost family friends. So they took us around and they know the nicest places, the smallest corners, and you can really have the real experience of the city. Yeah. Well, you grew up in Latvia and are now currently in London, England. So I, I got to ask about London, probably the greatest city on the planet. For someone visiting London for the first time, what would be your recommendations? Oh, wow. Um, to make sure that they come here for at least a week okay. <laughs> and that they go around the city with somebody who lives here uh, rather than a tourist, if possible. And to definitely get lost in, in the streets and also to go to galleries and museums there's so many and they're all accessible and and also concerts a lot of them are there's a lot of everything culture everything and the food is a little bit so so <laughs> so um yeah i wouldn't look forward to that too much but definitely being around surrounded by people is a great experience here and yeah it's sage advice, and I love the simple way you described it. It's a lot of everything, and I think yeah. that it's completely accurate. What do you feel is the biggest lesson, life lesson you've learned from the last 12 months? Um, I think to live in the moment and not to worry too much about future, because a lot of things are not in your hands, and to, make, to do everything you can in that, in that right present moment, I think. And to do the things that you believe in and not to worry too much, I think. Yeah, you just need to keep going because you're going because 
you want to go there <laughs> as in whatever your ultimate goal is or why you're doing your job or yeah well i never really had certainty in my life to be honest <laughs> from a young age i uh i never really knew what happens what will happen and um always always had to work for something to happen so i never took anything for granted so i when i feel certain about something i start to get a bit worried because that's that's when you relax and that's when your mind stays more relaxed you're not actively you know creating yeah. and developing yeah it's almost where you're getting yeah. you're getting you're getting also maybe complacent you're just like oh i don't need to practice i don't need to work because everything is the way it is yeah i i think it's really dangerous yeah. i think certainty is dangerous <laughs> yeah extraordinarily well said i agree i agree as well so <laughs> so what is next for you well i know you're back on stage you're back performing again which is brilliant news so what's next what shows you have upcoming or any projects we can look forward to well i'm recording a cd with lynn records um featuring sensan's cello concerto uh that's already happening actually next month and yeah i, I can say a couple of words about my instrument which is uh, it's a very special instrument and it was used um, for the premiere of Sensan's Cello Concerto. And the concerto will be celebrating its 150th birthday next year, which is why I'm recording the CD. And yeah, I've got uh, some performances uh, with Haydn Concerto, Gulde Concerto and Kraft Concerto with some new crazy repertoire that hasn't been performed so much as well. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of con concerts to look forward to and a lot of collaborations and also performance with my siblings as three balanas and also together with my sister so <laughs> a lot of things a lot of things coming up which is wonderful to hear uh, how can people stay up to date and how can they find out about when the shows are uh they can follow me either on instagram or facebook but i also have a website which is margaritabalanas.com yeah and i keep my uh, my people, my audience uh, updated uh, when the next performance will be. So, so they, they can be part of it, of the backstage journey as well, because, you know, everyone wants to know what happens, what really happens. So, <laughs> so yeah, they can follow me and I look forward to, <laughs> to, yeah, <laughs> sharing. And is there information on the Balanas Foundation as well on your website? Yes, there is, cool. there is a, there is a link, Balanus Classical, yes. Very yes. cool. This was a lot of fun, I learned a lot. You're an exceptional performer, but also just was, was a wonderful interview as well. Thank you so much, I mean, amazing questions. You really know what to ask. <laughs> Otherwise, I, you often have interviews with people and you feel like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for today, just, this is really brilliant, really lovely chatting with you, and I know we'll stay in contact, and I look forward to speaking again, but just thank you for today. Thank you so much. Perfect. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Cheers. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Margarita. For more information, check out margaritabalanas.com and stick around at the end of the episode to hear another sample of one of her performances. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from any given runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story, each person is a scholar, 
Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son. Thank you.